Good morning, everyone. Happy Sunday. Happy July. Happy July of, uh, 4th for, uh, for all of us in America. I uh, just want to say thank you so much for tuning in this morning and also to all of our teams in this room. Thank you, thank you, thank you for again uh, ministering uh, in this uh, studio, right? Um, how many of you uh, realize that uh, this, the first half of 2020 is officially over, guys? Uh, yeah. And so we are entering into uh, the second half of 2020. I was just wondering, you know, every time we go through the live stream, I just want to make sure that uh, you guys are tuning in, you guys are listening, you guys are there and be present. How do you feel entering into the second half of 2020? If there is one word that can describe how you feel, can you just type it in into your live stream, you know, whether you are in the Instagram, you're in YouTube, uh, type in that one word that will describe how you feel as you enter into the second half of 2020. It could be nervous, it could be clueless, it could be hopeful, it could be COVID, I don't know, you know. Uh, so type it in, guys, type it in so that we can, uh, we know uh, and also can encourage our team here that you guys are watching and you guys are engaged, amen? Uh, over the past couple weeks, uh, the Lord pressed in my heart uh, this very question that I'm going to share with you over the next 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for me, my, for my family, for my life, for my situation? Is Jesus really greater than anything in this world? Sometimes what is happening around us can cause us to ask questions. You know, as you guys know, our community uh, have, have gone through quite a challenge because we, we lost one of our brothers. Uh, when he went hiking a couple weeks ago, uh, and we still have not found him, even though uh, it's already over 14 days now uh, that he is in Mount Rainier. And some of us are, are, are questioning, some of us are praying, some of us are hopeless, some of us become hopeless. Or whatever your life circumstances, the Lord gave me uh, and put into my heart this question, am I really enough for you? Is Jesus really enough for you? So please don't answer that question yet and don't be too quick to answer that question because I really want you to reflect. Uh, I think just now uh, Dee was saying, you know, when, when life becomes tough, when those challenges come into our circumstances, the, our faith are thrown into the open and our reaction, uh, you know, uh, became what we are in, what is inside of us. You know, whether we, you're going through COVID, Maybe some of you are also going personal challenges through job loss, uh, loss of a loved one. Maybe uh, uh, your, your family members uh, got sick uh, through this quarantine season. Uh, and all these challenges, then the questions start to uh, come into your life, right? Is Jesus really enough? Is Jesus really that good? Is Jesus really greater than what I'm going through right now? And then God took me to a story which I'm going to share with you this morning. So I hope you'll stay with me. Over the next 20 minutes, don't tune, don't tune out, you know, and don't just turn on your YouTube live uh, and then you're, you're gone and go back to sleep again. But just stay with me for 20 minutes. And I hope that at the end of these 20 minutes, you yourself can reflect and answer this question and, and wrestle with this question uh, so that you can be stronger and you can find hope in that answer. Amen? I don't know how many of you are facing tremendous challenge in your life, in your family. I mean, the world is falling before you, and you have prayed for it, but God either did not respond, or He did not answer according to what you have expected. 
In John chapter 11, I want uh, us to turn into John uh, chapter 11. We're going to read uh, several verses from verse 1 to 7 and then verse 38 to 44. Let's begin, okay? John 11 verse 1. He says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Verse 2. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to the Lord, to Jesus, and said, Lord, the one you love, the one you love, the one that you care is sick. The story here is not any ordinary man and woman. I just want you to uh, watch for this. But these are personal friends of Jesus whom Jesus cared very deeply and had a personal relationship with, with them. What it also means is that at this moment, the stake for Jesus is high. This, he has a personal stake in, in, in this, in this uh, family's issues. Verse 4, And when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through this. Stop, 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 guys. Listen. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Jesus' response felt that he had no compassion. He had no apathy to the situation, right? You know, the sickness will not end in death. Or in my term, he said, you know what? He will not die one lie. It is so insensitive, right, for Jesus to say that. Like, look, he was very sick. He's almost dying. But Jesus said, hey, you know what? Don't worry. He will not die one lie. Can you imagine being the disciple hearing this? Jesus said, don't worry lah. He's not going to die one. And then in verse 11, Jesus said, he's asleep. Okay, if Lazarus was asleep, that's good, right? How many of you, uh, you know, when you get sick, your parents say, you know what? Sleep more. Rest more. You will get better the next day. So sleeping is good. Right? But no. The next few uh, verses, it says, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> wait a minute, Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. Is he asleep? Yeah. Is he dead? Yeah. <laughs> Which one? Is he dead or is he asleep? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm confused now. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Okay, okay, let's go back to verse 5. Okay, let's not get ahead of myself. Okay, I'm, I'm getting ahead. Let's go back to verse 5. It's a very strange statement again. In verse 5, Jesus said this, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It does not mean that Jesus doesn't care for them, okay? Jesus had a personal relationship with this brother and sister, okay? And, and he deeply cared. And so when he turned and when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus stayed there for two more days. Okay, okay, okay. How many of you right now, whether in this room or in our live stream, uh, you have been praying for breakthroughs? Come on. You have been praying for answers. Maybe you have been praying for healing. You have been praying for miracles. You have been praying for family reconciliation, family restoration, uh, or, or whatever that you have been praying, and you want things to be done now, right? 
How many? Oh, is it just me? I said, Lord, if I pray for something, I want you to move now. I don't want you to wait for two more days. I don't want you to be slow. I want you to answer me now. I want my miracle now. I want my healing now. I want my family back now. But Jesus waited for two more days. Jesus first refused to grant their request and then fulfill it after showing that he does things according to the timing and the will of God, not of man. His delays were not his denials. Jesus knew what will be the greater glory for God. So to those of you who are praying right now, who are seeking, who are waiting, God does not move according to your time. God does not move according to your will. He moves according to His will and to His time. Why? Because our God knows the beginning and the end. He knows the beginning and the end. And therefore, He knows what's best for you and for your situation. In Isaiah chapter... Oh, I'm sorry. I want to uh, share this from Charles Spurgeon. He's a wonderful theologian that, that I read a lot. And he says this, The Lord... Acts not upon the scale of man, for he sees not as man sees. He sees the end as well as the beginning. God already know the end as well as the beginning. And therefore, we got to trust. Even though I'm confused too, you know, I've been praying for the past two weeks. I've been praying and I hope that Vincent will be found well, you know, within days. And now it's 15 days. I don't know. I can't explain to the parents, I can't explain to the families, I can't explain to you why things happen. God knows. Because in Isaiah 55, it says that my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. God's mindset and His knowledge and His awareness is nothing like ours. Ours are just so limited. We are limited by space, we are limited by time, we are limited by our emotion and our circumstances, but our God does not get limited by those things. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. So we just got to trust Him that He knows the best for us, even though the outcome might not be what we expected. Come on. Are you listening? And verse 9 in Isaiah 59, He said, Just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and your thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Therefore, we just can't trust Jesus because Jesus understands the beginning and the end. Verse 7, go back, go back to, um, to our verse here, uh, uh, John chapter 11, and now we are on verse 11. And then he said to his disciple, after waiting two days, guys, listen. So the journey from Bethany to where Jesus was, it took one day journey, okay? So when the, when the servants depart from Lazarus' house, it took that person one day for the journey. By the time he arrived at Jesus, it already wasted one day time. And Jesus waited for two more days. And then now Jesus is going to take that same journey back for another day, which means that four days have passed, okay? And now Jesus said, you know what? After waiting for two days, now it's time. Let's go, <laughs> okay? So Jesus got up, went to Judea. And I want you to be aware of this, you know? I don't want you to miss this part. Jesus could have... Uh, heal Lazarus, could have uh, raised Lazarus from Judea. Yeah? 
Jesus was powerful. He is Almighty God. He could have just stayed in, in Judea and proclaim it to Lazarus from Judea, and Ju- uh, uh, from Judea to Lazarus, and Lazarus could have healed, could have risen. But Jesus cared. Jesus cared for Lazarus. Jesus cared for this situation personally, and it became personal for him. And your situation becomes personal to Jesus because you are also a friend of Jesus. And therefore, Jesus took that journey, that one-day one walk journey. And I want you to also not miss this. Judea, uh, 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 Judea is a very dangerous place for Jesus because there are a lot of people are actually waiting to arrest Jesus in, in Judea. So it's a very dangerous place for Jesus to go back to Judea. But nevertheless, Jesus was willing to go to Judea again. Why? Because it is personal for him. You are personal. Listen, guys. You are personal to Jesus. Okay? And verse 35. This is the shortest verse in the Bible, guys. If there is a trivia, what is the shortest verse in the Bible? John eleven thirty-five. Jesus wept. Right? Why did Jesus weep? When he knew he could raise Lazarus from his death. Why? Because Jesus felt the sorrow, the sympathy, and the compassion that is felt by mankind. As we are worried, as we are sorrowful about the missing brother, Jesus felt that sorrow. He felt that sympathy and compassion and he wept. And he also felt angry. He felt the rage against the tyranny of death over mankind. Because we have lived in this fallen world and we were sinners and the, 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 the tyranny of death, the slavery of death is taking a hold of mankind and he felt rage and he felt angry and injustice for that. Verse 38, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Mar- Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time, they will be older, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Why did Jesus wait until Lazarus has died for four days? Why not three days? Why not two days? Right? Four days. And I, I was reading, why four days? Why not three days? Three days will be significant because it was going to be a symbol of God's resurrection, right? On the third day. This is on the fourth day. He kind of missed one day. But in the ancient Jewish belief, the ancient Jewish cultural belief that when somebody died, the first three days, the spirit will roam around aimlessly not knowing where to go, okay? Which means that there is a possibility that somebody could live again because the spirit can go back to the body. But after three days, the spirit will live. They will go to the destination where they are supposed to. So on the fourth day, that means what what it means. It is impossible for Lazarus to uh, be alive again. The situation is absolutely impossible because according to the ancient Jewish belief, the spirit is no longer there. It's not even roaming somewhere. It's gone. And And the body started to decompose after three days. So situation is bad. It's impossible. It's hopeless. That's why Martha was telling Jesus, Jesus, I think you are late. You know, it's gone. My brother is gone and his body is decomposed and his spirit cannot be rescued anymore. You know, and Jesus said, hey, you know what, Martha? Take away the stone. 
What does the stone mean to you and me today? The stone, the stone is, it means the stone of our hearts, the stone of our unbelief, the stone of our mindset that sometimes hinder God to work in our relationship, in our family, in our circumstances. Take away your stone. I don't know how many of you are still stubborn. You are still closing your heart and not allowing God to enter and move. But now God says, come on, remove the hardness of your heart and roll away the stone of your unbelief and of your mindset, of your wrong thinking about our God. Roll it away. Most of us will only welcome visitors. How many of you uh, here, you live in an apartment or you have a house, and then you only allow your visitors to enter into a certain areas in your house, right? Because, uh, you know, like in my house, sometimes when there are guests, I feel bad for the guests because uh, my, my boys are, you know, you know, boys are boys, you know, they, they, they lay all their toys, you know, and I got injured, Lego injuries, you know. They call it the Lego injuries. It is so dangerous sometimes to come to my house because you could, God, you know, you can get a Lego injury. You step into the Legos that are lying everywhere. It's, and we don't welcome you to, to enter into that place, right? We want you to enter into the living room that is never being used. It's beautiful, right? <laughs> Uh, that's why in, in America, I think in, in many parts of the world, it's the same too. You have the formal dining room for the visitors that are clean, that's only used when the visitors there, the painting are beautiful, and then you have the family nook, they call it, the, the breakfast nook. That's where the, the cereal are, are fall, falling apart, the milk have dropped into the, into the, uh, the table, it's very messy, it's maybe stinky because there are some, you know, drop food that never been picked up. We always want guests to enter into the cleanest place of our house. Many of us will only allow the conversation about our life which we choose to share. How many of you have ever felt that way in a relationship, in a friendship, you know? When you chat with, a friend, with your friend, the conversation is very shallow. They only talk about technical stuff. You know, once you start digging deeper, then suddenly they pull away from that relationship because they don't want you to know the stinky order in their life. So Jesus said, come on, I got to enter into the tomb. I need to enter into the stinkiest part of, 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 of the situation. You know, don't worry. Don't be ashamed about showing me the dead body. Don't be ashamed of showing me the, the, the stinky dead body. I want to enter into your life. Even though they are stinky part of your life, they are dirty part of your life, they are unworthy part of your life, roll away the stone so that I can enter into your life and do the miraculous work that Jesus wants to do. Come on. Woo! I think that was good, huh? I could feel it, my heart pumping, you know? Yeah. Let Jesus enter into the place that stink and dead, things that need to be dealt with, things that had been hidden, let, but it's dying inside of you. You got to roll away the stone and let Jesus enters in. Come on. Let's be real here. Let's be real. I know some of you at home is fidgeting, you know. Like, oh, I don't like when pastor talk like that, you know. You know, it's kind of like digging into the stinky and dead part of my life. And, and that I don't want anybody to know, you know. That's why they said, don't air your dirty laundry, right? 
It's like, oh, like I'm airing my dirty laundry. But with Jesus, you got to roll away the stone of your stubbornness, of your unbelief, of your um, uh, frustration. Come on, roll it away, okay? And, and, the, and the Bible said that uh, Martha and Mary, they, they roll away the stone. It requires faith to move that stone. It will require faith for you to believe and trust to Je for Jesus to enter into your life. I understand that. It will require faith. But what's inside that was dead and hopeless and impossible and had been dead for four days, Jesus can bring it to life. Verse 41, come on. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I want you to pray a prayer like this. Sometimes it is good to learn to pray like this. Even though the miracle has not come, even though the circumstances have not changed, but you already thank God for what had been done. Come on. How many of you are praying for maybe uh, a, French, a relationship restoration? Uh, or maybe family restoration? Or maybe looking for a job? Or maybe financial situation? You pray like this. I thank God for providing for me. I thank God for my, the restoration of my family. I thank you, Lord, for the financial breakthrough of my family or the financial breakthrough of myself. I thank you, Father, for you have heard me. And I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this thing, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the man who had died came out, his hand and feet bound with linen strip, and his face wrapped with a cloth, and Jesus said to them, unbind him. Come on. How many of you st still want to be bind by death? How many of you want to be bind by sl the slavery, the yoke of slavery, of sin? No, unbind him. You might be alive today, but you are bound. Come on. A lot of Christians are like that. Even though Jesus has already given them the freedom and the free gift of salvation, they chose to bind themselves. They chose to want to be bound. Why? Maybe it's comfortable that way. I don't know. Maybe they get used to being bound, you know. But let him go. Unbound him. Some of you need to do that. You know, your prison door, listen. Your prison door has been opened. But I can see a vision that there are a number of Christians, even though the prison door are open through Jesus Christ, they are still living inside. Isn't that strange? You know, they are still roaming around inside of their prison door, not knowing that there are greater things to come. Why? Sometimes they are scared to step out. Because stepping out means sometimes into the unknown, into trusting Jesus to the unseen. Come on, you got to step out of, of the prison. Okay? What a beautiful and powerful statement that Jesus made. Lazarus, come out. As you and I know, that sin has such a strong grip over mankind, death becomes our enemy, right? And Jesus came to release us from the slavery of sin that so entangled and troubled all of us. Come on. And he strike a blow over our final enemy, which is death. It's just so amazing. Not only Lazarus was unbound and released to let him go, but he moved from death to life. You know, Jesus came not to make bad people good. He came to make bad people alive, guys. 
So today as we partake on this Holy Communion, the qualification of the Holy Communion is that you believe and you receive and you have relationship with Jesus. You don't partake on the Holy Communion based on whether you are good or not, but you partake on the Holy Communion just because you are already in relationship with Jesus. In, in uh, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19, this is my last verse, okay? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 to 20 says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believes in Him. How many of you need to believe in Jesus this morning? That the incredible of power to overcome whatever stronghold that gripped you will be released through Jesus Christ. And this is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realm. The question for you and for me today is, is Jesus enough? Don't answer this question too quickly, guys. I don't want you to answer it in this session. I want you to just reflect upon it and answer it over the next few days. It is something for us to take time to reflect, wrestle, and affirm. To be honest, this is not an easy answer, especially when you are going through catastrophic events, big, big challenges, big mountains. Like I was involved this past couple of weeks when I was up there in Mount Rainier. I look upon the Mount Rainier. I said, God, I don't know what to pray. <laughs> Even I don't know what to pray. I'm so speechless. I know what my heart wants, but I don't know how to pray it in my mouth because there's so much thing, there's so much question that comes to your mind, right? I look upon it, I, I, I remember the word of God, and I say, God, come on. I do have faith as big as a mustard seed. I think I do, lah. You know, even though I look like this, I do have a faith a little, as little as mustard seed, and therefore I speak to Mount Rainier, be removed, and spit out my brother, Right? I'm confused too, to be honest. I'm not saying that, wow, you know, I'm, I have it all together, a perfect man. No, we need Jesus at all time, at all season of our lives. Today, we want to humbly submit and that God is sovereign and almighty. Come on. His character is good and can be trusted, even though the outcome may not be as we expected. Okay? Many people think like, you know what, God is good if he can answer what I expect him to answer. No, God is sovereign. God is almighty and all-knowing. Remember, he knows the end from the beginning. And so how he moved, how he answered, might not be what you expected, just like Martha and Mary and Lazarus. One day I was listening to 105.3. I believe it's a session from Focus on the Family. And the, and the speaker was talking about her own life challenges. Isn't it amazing? So this lady was taking a phone call from uh, audiences in 105.3. And this, there's this lady that is calling in, and she had a stage 4 leukemia cancer. And she said, you know what, I don't know how to, to uh, I do not know how to hope for tomorrow. She said, I'm, I'm just hopeless. My life is just death and hopeless and darkness. And, and the lady that was answering the question, uh, she also had a life challenge because just a few weeks ago, her son was also diagnosed with a stage 4 cancer. So you can imagine this person calling in to a person that is also having big challenges. And, and this is what she said, and it just touched me. Again, I'm, I'm not trying to be cliche or anything. This is just what she said. She said at the doctor's office, she was weeping. She was devastated. 
And, and, and that was the first time the son knew about his diagnosis and his lifespan. And his son says this, you know what, Doc? Either way, I win. If God heals me, I get to live for more years with my mom. If God takes me home to heaven, I got to live with my heavenly father in my perfect body. It's okay, Doc. Either way, I win. Today, I want to share this message because I personally was touched over the past couple weeks. I was tired, you know. I was helping. I was so much burden, so much conversation that has been exchanged over the past two weeks. Man, to be honest, I'm physically tired too. Uh, you know, and sometimes it becomes hopeless, right? Because I don't know, but I only know today that God is sovereign and He knows the end from the beginning. As we partake on the Holy Communion today, I want you to also take this time to declare, to declare sincerely, genuinely that God, you are sovereign. You are sovereign. I'm not going to question your character. I, I, I'm, I'm just going to trust you that you know what's best. As the worship team are coming forward to uh, sing praises and to sing worship one more time, I pray that you will follow along. If you have not prepared the element of the Holy Communion, now you can go ahead and take your time to uh, take your bread and take your, your juice. And we're going to come back again in a few minutes. Amen.